You're listening to the Salty Sex Cast with Mariah and friends. Minimize the fear. Expand your awareness. Hello, all you wonderful, sexy souls out there. It is Mariah again. I'm excited because I have a new friend that I am so excited to introduce you all to. This is Dr. Lynn Sally, and she has a few things that I'm excited to explore, not because I am well-versed. So I get to be the um, novice and ask all the questions that you all want to know, but also because um, this is another side of life that has had a lot of negative connotation or maybe been even um, demonized or can take so many different forms. I'm really excited to see your viewpoint and, but please introduce yourself and, and why you're here today. Yes. Uh, my name is Lynn Sally and I'm also known as Dr. Lucky. Um, and I'm really excited to be here to talk about a couple of things, but one of them being my new book, Neo Burlesque Strategies Transformation. It's published by Rutgers University Press, uh, just released in 2022. And so I have spent the majority of my career as a professor by day and a burlesque performer at night. But I just kind of stayed in the closet. Um, if I can use that metaphor, which I think is fitting in some ways, but not appropriate in others. But, you know, I was just scared of the backlash. I didn't know what would happen. What if my students found out? Um, so I really just kept that whole world um, separate and um, closeted and just never, ever, ever talked about it. Taught the two worlds didn't meet, which is totally silly because I have a degree in performance studies, you know, and I was like researching. I actually studied um, burlesque when I was in graduate school, studying for my area exam. So the fact that I tried to keep them separate is just ridiculous. So here we are <laughs> bringing the worlds together. Ah, uh, so clash of the two worlds. And a beautiful journey, it sounds like, along the way. Um, I'm sure there's a lot of fear in that as well. So my myself also teaching in higher ed and um, just kind of letting the cards fall, right? Like if somebody happens to find it, that's fine. But I'm really careful not to advertise or, or say anything. Um, I don't even say, Hey, I have a podcast like to any of my students. Um, cause you can go Google, <laughs> it'll come up. Right. But that's a lot of fear that I carry. So I can only imagine, um, with yourself having that, um, journey of keeping them very separate and then just allowing it to unfold. How was yeah. that? Yeah. So, um, well, I first just want to say that, you know, having women like us who are, you know, talking about sexuality in public ways, um, not to wound or hurt anybody, not to simply be explicit, but just to talk about the things that we don't talk about, mm -hmm. um, I think is absolutely a form of silencing. And it's done very specifically so that we don't talk about these things, so that we don't behave in ways that, you know, society um, deems as inappropriate. And to me, it's pretty, it's pretty silly because there, there, there's a pretty strong disconnect between 
I think what people imagine happens at a burlesque show and what actually happens. It's basically an evening of variety, uh, usually with the host who introduce acts. There's comedy. Um, there are these short vignettes. They're usually around five minutes where a person comes on stage and tells a story with their body. And so, you know, it's it's comedy mixed with dance, mixed with um uh, musical theater mixed with some like cheesy MTV, you know, video dream is basically <laughs> what it is and throw in some drag. And I'm like, what, well, what's, I don't understand what people are so afraid of. And I finally realized that it's, it's women. Um, and, and I'm using that word broadly conceived for the moment, but it's, it's, it's people taking control of their bodies and 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 doing what what they want with them and i think that that's really where the backlash is is because you know they folks want to keep that covered up um and silenced and so um mm -hmm. but we're not gonna let that happen no no uh <laughs> far from it right um i want to respect those who don't want to hear, don't want to know about it. Right. But I'm not forcing anything upon you. You clicked play on this podcast. So here we go. Let's go on this journey together. Um, and it's, it's something that I, the, the first burlesque show, I went to a live one in Salt Lake and, um, it, uh, my sister as a makeup artist and did makeup for a couple of the performers and, I think I was maybe just barely 21 and I think it was 21 and older show if I remember right and I was like this is so much fun how do I get involved right um and had a male partner who shut it down so quick why would you ever want to do that that's not okay and totally you know shut me down with I don't get to be in charge of my own body um I have now you know, embrace that and <laughs> definitely gone against that. Um, haven't listened for long, but I do remember just feeling very, very, um, judged and controlled and ashamed. And it was just like this one small comment created a lot of contention around that. But I was like, I didn't see it as this cheesy sexual cord. I, I like, I don't, I can't even think of negative words, honestly, for it. But I'm sure what, how he saw it was, these are people for my entertainment. This is, uh, for only my gain, not theirs, not understanding what I saw when I was watching it. I'm like, look at these people just unafraid to get on the stage, have a lot of fun. The comedy was great. I mean, just, they're all so funny in their own way. Um, I love seeing the different personalities in each performance. So it was the one I've only been to, um, and so I just remember that very vividly right now as I'm like unfolding this, like, yeah, <laughs> it was really fun. Yeah, it's, it's, it's totally fun. Um, and I think that that's the thing that's most striking when, when people go to a burlesque show, like for their first time, like, oh my God, that was so much fun. Right. Because you are going to see a, um, performance. So it is a theatrical experience to some degrees, but also it's so participatory. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you're, um, I mean, you don't have to drink at a show, but they usually happen at bars or, you know, supper clubs or things that have, um, liquor being served. So people are, are drinking if they choose to, they're, they're eating, um, perhaps, you know, it's, 
They tend to be a little bit later at night and you're not just sitting in your chair. Like when you go to the theater, you go to the opera and you're sitting back, like you're hooting and you're hollering and the host comes out and might bring you up on stage. And so all of that is, um, it's just really, it's just really, really fun. And I think that uh, there's also a fear of some people have a fear of other people having fun, you know, and just can't, they just can't handle it. Right. Um, but, but that situation that you described, uh, I think is, is, is a common one of, of people getting, as you put it, you know, shut down or made, um, to feel ashamed just because they're like, Hey, these are like, this was really fun. These are some cool people getting up on stage and just going for it. And, yeah. you know, that looks like fun. What's, what's wrong with that? Um, uh, so anyway, it's really interesting that that was your experience. And um, I'm sorry that that happened, but we should go to a show together. Yes, yes. I'd love that. I would absolutely love it. Um, that, that's exactly it when you see it and, and just the lack of a better word, empowerment. They're just owning themselves fully. And I loved it. And it's, and then I'm sharing myself with the rest of the crowd, right? I'm not keeping this to myself. Um, which of course, if you want to perform, you're always sharing that with somebody. It was just so fun. And, and I, I am typically not a, um, uh, like stage performer. Like I always say like stage fright and all of those things, but for some reason that connected with me, just that type of performance. And I thought just how fun, um, there's no pressure involved, you know, it's not for, a a dance competition or a trophy at the end or all of these other things that I have been exposed to probably, you know, growing up. Um, so it was just, it was something I thought was just so rad. Um, so when you're, you kept those, your professional world and your performance world, very separate, but it sounds like they already clashed or they are, I shouldn't say clash. They already overlapped quite a bit anyway. So, um, Tell me about when you decided to just roll with it. You know what? <laughs> Let's see what happens. So when I was writing this book, um, because this book is focused case studies of uh, performers and performances in the early neo movement in New York City. So I was there, right? So, you know, I wasn't um, taking field notes at the time because I had no idea I was going to write this book. Um, but, you know, it's it's partially having had this lived experience. Um, you know, I'm not trying to like recreate a show I saw, you know, 14 years ago at two o'clock in the morning <laughs> after, you know, having a couple drinks and working all night. Um, I'm not, I'm not quite doing that, but definitely it's like, um, it's just really fun. Um, you know, it became important to me for a couple of reasons to come out in this book as a performer, because it's like, well, that's part of what makes this project unique is that I'm an academic, but I'm also a practitioner. Mm -hmm. Um, and so that would have gotten erased if I just would pretended to just be like an academic. Um, and also it just does a disservice. Like everything that we've been talking about thus far, it's like this subtext of having to feel humiliated or having our bodies controlled and all that kind of stuff. It's like, this is, this offers a counter narrative to that. And I just think it's, um, um, I just think it was really important to, to, 
to say at the very um, beginning of this book, the first line is I'm a stripper. And, you know, it's like, well, I'm not technically, yeah, yeah, I'm obviously being tongue in cheek, but I'm also saying that because I just want to like destigmatize, help destigmatize it because it's just ridiculous um, how, you know, how afraid people are to just um, own, you know, what what they do because our society is so repressed and it just wants to keep people down. Mm-hmm. It's so repressed yet. We yes. are sex crazed and talk about sex in such a way. And we use sex as a, um, bartering system, right? Instead of just, this is what, what is baked into our society. This is what we can get to call it. We get to own our own and not let someone else control it. So I'm so excited. Um, I'm so happy that you were able to connect those two worlds for yourself to make that powerful, um, experience for others. And so we, we mentioned a couple words. And so before we get too far ahead of ourselves, as anyone's listening and it's like, hold on, I'm not quite familiar with some of these for one burlesque, this has not new. It's been around for quite a long time. Um, I'm sure some listeners are like the only exposure they've ever had is maybe the one movie that was titled burlesque and who was the actors? I know Cher's in it, but I can't remember the other ones. Christina Aguilera. Thank you. Yes. And then, um, you know, that might be an exposure for others. And then we're throwing around Neo burlesque, which might be a totally new thing. So let's back up a little bit and define some of these and and maybe how you are using the word and how you've owned that identity as well. Sure, of course. So burlesque is really at its root. It's just poking fun. It just means to like make fun. And so that's why when you described your experience at a burlesque show, you were like, oh, it's really fun because that's what it is at its root. It's a poking, it's a poking fun. So that definition of burlesque um, has lasted for many, many centuries. And in fact, I teach a class at New York University um, on burlesque. And so we are just talking about this this week in class. Um, so, um, but basically in 1868, Lydia Thompson and the British Blondes came to New York with their British version of burlesque. And that's how American burlesque um, mm-hmm. uh, was born. Um, in in the United States, them bringing it over and it combining, um, you know, this theatrical form that was basically making fun of other plays, right? Here we go, poking fun. And the women dressed up in men's clothing. So there was cross-dressing, which was scandalous politically at the time for a woman to dress up as a man, but also she wore like little short outfits. So all of this was like super risque, but burlesque, uh, you know, it used to not be about striptease at all. It's always been about a poking fun. Mm. So Neo, the word Neo um, just means new. Um, It also sort of implies a a revival or a change. Um, Mm -hmm. And so what Neo burlesque is, um, is a movement that kind of emerged in the mid 1990s and beyond in urban locations around the around the world, actually, that were playing with this um, uh, playing with burlesque and playing with striptease to tell stories, um, to make political commentary, to mm-hmm. um, uh, to display a type of sexuality that 
that we don't normally see in society, right? Because the bodies in burlesque are different than mainstream beauty ideals. So that's the neo, neo movement. You know, it's oftentimes political. It just means a new revival. Um, it doesn't make it better. It just makes it a shift from burlesque past. Um, and oftentimes it's that political side or the satire, the really edgy stuff that mm. marks it as neo. Well, it's really great to hear all of that. And so where is where does your journey start with burlesque? I'd love to hear that history and just what turned you on to it. What was your discovery? Maybe what were some of the things um, that did create maybe fear or even stigma before you really got immersed into it as well? Yeah. So um, I was actually studying for my area exams. And as I mentioned, burlesque was one of the topics that I studied along with other entertainment um, things like world's fairs and vaudeville and early film and all that type of stuff. So I, I was studying, I was studying all of that at the same moment as, you know, hanging out with my best friend who became, um, she became a Pontani sister and doing shows with them. And it's just being an extension of, you know, being 20, like in my mid twenties in New York, you know, I'm putting my lashes on and having some drinks and dancing around the living room for my friends, you know, it's just kind of like what we did at home. Um, but then became escalated because it became this entire movement. So literally like I had no, there were no plans that very, very, those very, very early times, some people were using the word burlesque, but not, not everybody was using that word yet. The burlesque revival had not it was, it was happening, um, but it wasn't just part of like um, the popular vernacular. And so it honestly, it was, I just feel like everything happened kind of organically. I didn't like go looking for this to look at the new movement that I was actually studying in graduate school. So it just happened, all happened organically, which is totally strange, but also kind of, kind of magical and cool. Um, so at any rate, that was my experience. And then working with Angie and the Pontani sisters, um, doing shows and, you know, once you get hooked, um, <laughs> You know, you get, you, you get hooked and those early days were really, really fun. You know, there weren't these like, not, there weren't people with video, you know, documenting every single crappy performance you ever did in any crappy costume you ever had. Like we, we got to be able to fail all the time and to suck, you know, and just to kind of go out there and do our things. And I think that's one of the things that's missing today. Um, but to have that opportunity is really great. Tell me more about when you say one of the things that's missing today, is it that standard of being perfect and not, you know, stumbling around and finding your personality, your, um, you know, I'm sure you have better names for this when you're on stage, right? Like who you are on stage, your stage presence, um, being able to, to grasp that with a lot of experimentation, being willing to go out and experiment and not saying, okay, this was a stage name I used and didn't work for me or this type of character, not, not my fave, but now that it's on video posted on and you're tagged on it in social media, you feel like you're like married to it. Is that what I'm hearing? Yeah. And also 
just people watching all the time and everything getting documented, that is, can be really, you know, it can, it can be tough when you're getting started into an art form and, you know, then you put your picture next to Dita Von T's and, mm. you know, you're not shining as bright. And it's like, uh, I just, I just think it's harder. It's harder today. Like the stakes are higher. Um, and as you suggested in society more broadly, it's like, we're just expected to achieve these unattainable um, ideals. And so um, I don't know, sometimes I feel like this perpetuates, burlesque perpetuates that, but I also think it's a counter narrative to it sometimes too. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of a double-edged sword. Um which is another interesting thing about it. Yeah. It's still under that performance umbrella, but like you said, usually it's kind of towards that edge of, um, you know, bending gender norms, even beauty ideals, all of those, you know, it's humor. It's, um, the topics most people maybe avoid because they're (laughs) hot button issues or whatever it is. Um, so it's living over here. Um, and, and honoring that to be able to say, you know what, we get to still be under this, um, this performance umbrella, but we have our own thing that we get to protect and be different and, um, not perfect. Um, tell me more about maybe your journey with finding your stage character and, and all of like that presence, was there any specific performances that you just remember and you're like, yes, I loved that. I needed more of that. I needed to show that side of me. Um, anything sticking out to you just off the cuff? Yeah. Um, it's funny. It's when I first started performing, um, I actually did this, uh, I did this belly dance character named Cymbeline. So that was before Dr. Lucky. Um, and, uh, I, Angie, Angie Pontani was like, Hey, we're going to do this show. We want you to be our, like the one, the burlesque, the old burlesque teacher with a cigarette hanging out of her <laughs> mouth. Who's teaching us young kids how to dance. Right. And so of course I took that character back then we didn't have internet. I know this is crazy. Um, but don't let your brains melt off. Um, I mean, there was a little bit of internet, but when you had to research something, you had to actually go into like a library. And so before I ever even stepped on stage, I did this like elaborate chat book about my character. So when you talk about the backstory for my character, I have this like little 20 page book I wrote. It was crazy. Like doing my research about, about this character. I don't know. I just think it's um, fun because you can like literally, um, have whatever story you want in your head. And, mm-hmm. and that's one of the cool things about burlesque is that it allows a space um, in, in which to birth that, to birth yeah. that character, but also to birth that act. So I think it's, I don't know, it's kids can be really fun. What a fun, just creative expression, right. To, to just be able to get this out. Um, sure. You have a goal of, of performing live in front of other people, but just the whole process behind that is really cool to see as well and hear about that. So a lot of background things go on behind characters that we see on stage for maybe just a couple moments. Um, But what else would be helpful for someone who just doesn't really know about this scene or even this performance style? Like, how do you go to a show? Is there, um, you know, crowd etiquette that folks should know about? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, actually, most 
major cities in the United States at this point have burlesque scenes. Um, they're also in smaller towns too. So um, I bet that there's a scene, depending on where you live, of course, but I bet that there's a scene close to you. Um, there's also a lot uh, of regional or state festivals, um, and those usually tend to be um, uh, to include headlining acts. So performers who've been around for a while, um, traveling, just like a like really the really really top top of the top um, in the burlesque field. And those shows tend to be in older theaters. So um, I would really strongly recommend looking for one of those festivals in your area because that will really be, you can kind of have um, a little bit of an experience of what it was like to see a burlesque show in an old theater. And those to me are, are really like the most fun and the most magical. Um, but definitely going to shows live is important if you can. Uh, there's more stuff online now. Uh, I personally... Um, uh, still believe that burlesque uh, must be experienced live, um, that that is one of its defining characteristics. Um, mm -hmm. And so, um, so if you can, if you can get there in person, that to me is, is, is no substitute for online, but there's also a lot of cool documentaries out about burlesque and the whole resurgence. So there's a lot, a lot of stuff out there. That's so neat. I I'm with you. Um, you know, that live performance, it's a two-way street, right? You want to see your audience interact. You're probably getting fueled by how they're hooting, hollering, or just can, you know, interacting with you. And so I could see that it's, it's one thing <laughs> why I did choose a podcast that I don't have my audience because I get very distracted. Right. I mean, it would be one thing if I built how I interview and how I interact and, and record if I had a, a live audience, totally different. Um, but how I built my interview style, I would have been like, what's that? No, who said what? You know, just getting distracted. But I see it really, really fun for a performance and um, that energy, right? Going to see live plays, live um, concerts, all of that is just layered with experiences and energy. Um, that's why I love to go into anything live. So that's wonderful. So major cities, um, anything that you have found that maybe create some disconnect from the community, you know, we, we've talked about stigma, um, and, you know, using your body as a performance tool, all of that, but is there, you know, things that are just downright not true <laughs> about the community? Um, uh, boy, things that are just not true. Uh, well, I don't know. I don't know what the thoughts are about the community. Um, you know, I, I don't know what people like their perceptions are, but, but I do have to say um, that most of the people I know involved in burlesque are, are really, highly intelligent and um, really are able to like get things done and are incredible leaders. And, and so there is this um, myth or this stereotype of mm -hmm. like the stupid stripper. Yes. And I think that that 
absolutely get smashed to pieces <laughs> in the in the Oprah-less culture because it just it just and of course we all know that that's not true um you know in commercial strip clubs either you know but um but it's just it's it's just funny because it's it's the opposite you know uh, a lot of really educated and smart and um cool people get involved right. oh that's wonderful yeah. well just to have the um, the knowledge to be able to poke fun at something, right? You have to know it. You have to be involved. You have to be able to see both sides of like an argument or a topic or anything, um, to be able to layer some of that humor too. And I'm sure there's certain things that only some people will get in the crowd because it's either above them or, or just not an area that they're familiar with. So you have to be very intelligent to be just creatively sneak those in some I'm sure are very obvious and other ones are a little like downplayed. And I think that's the most fun, right? When only a few people get it, you're just like, you're my people, like you get it, you know, it's just super fun like that. Um, so yeah, some stereotypes that are just downright untrue is, is the whole, or, or maybe even, um, you're just using your body to get a buck. Cause I know there's not, you know, money's not raining from the ceiling in burlesque. Um, or is it, let me know. Cause I guess that's my, um, view of it as well. Right. A lot of stage performers. I know <laughs> it's always that we didn't get in this for money. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's about right. <laughs> yeah. Um, it pays to pay for itself. Right. You know, that just goes right back into production and everything. And <laughs> the next thing, um, anything that you are just so proud of your journey that you're just like, I, I can't believe I'm here today. That's amazing. That just, you look in the mirror and are just so proud of yourself. Wow. Boy, I wish, um, I wish I had that kind of, uh, confidence to look in the mirror and just be like, God, I'm so proud of you today. <laughs> um, but, um, I mean, I've had some really pretty spectacular, unbelievable stage moments that, you know, that will always, um, be great memories to me that I'm like, oh, that was fun that I'm proud of. But, but I have to say this, that the book that I recently wrote, um, I, that is one thing I can say that I'm really proud of because I'm, I documented a moment in time and it's not a comprehensive history about the Neo movement. It's not comprehensive about burlesque. It's just about New York city, this like 10 year period. I just look at seven performers. And so, and each chapter is just like, um, a tribute to them, like this little love letter, right. To this mm -hmm. performer and a performance they did. And, and so at any rate, I, I, to answer your question, yes. One thing I'm like insanely proud of is this uh, beautiful book. I love it. And Thanks where can our listeners get that, that pitch? <laughs> right. That's what I was just going to pivot into. Where can they pick it up if they're interested in reading your book? Yeah, well, you can um, pick it up anywhere books are sold. You can also just order it directly from Rutgers University Press. 
Um, we strongly recommend, uh, we support our university presses, our independent bookstores. Um, if you can, we have a choice, that would be great. You can also find me at lynnsally.com. That's L-Y-N-N-S-A-L-L-Y.com. That's so fun. So go and explore, learn a lot more about this. I, I love it. Yes. Let's just screen share <laughs> right there. <laughs> um, and what was the inspiration of the cover? This is a uh, dirty martini. Who's an incredible performer in New York city with her, um, Lena and the swan. Um, and, uh, yeah, this is just an incredible costume she wears. And Steven Menendez, uh, an incredible photographer, took this um, photo. And so um, so they beautiful. let us use it for the cover. Yeah, it's really so cool. Fun. So fun. And so when you were writing this book, was there anything that you discovered um, not just for yourself or maybe just for burlesque in general that you could share with everyone, kind of give a teaser to what they can expect. <laughs> uh, yes. Well, I do talk a little bit about my personal journey, um, uh, coming to just admit, um, to the world that, um, that I'm a performer in addition to a writer. Um, so you'll get to hear a little bit about those uh, personal stories in addition to my research. That's so fun. Um, I love that you're putting a voice to maybe some worlds that folks aren't always familiar with or their, their only exposure is maybe like a Hollywood production of a video or you know, a movie of it. Um, so being able to, to hear about that culture, um, where do you feel like your future is going with this? Where do you want it to go? Sorry, that's a big loaded question. I'm just going to apologize now. <laughs> no, that's okay. Um, well, I'm still writing and I think, um, it's really important, uh, the climate we're in right now, um, that, you know, we all have to speak out about what's important to us. And I think that the more, um, our bodies get controlled, um, you know, the less, less power we're going to have. And so at any rate, I think it's important for us to, if we have a platform to speak up about those things that are important. Mm. So we're, we'll see what happens, but, um, but yeah, I'm hoping, I'm hoping that the future, um, uh, that more people will speak out. That's really wonderful. And through a medium of something so fun, like burlesque fun, um, and not sleazy or dirty or cheap. Right. I think if, if anyone had those, um, words associated with burlesque, hopefully just this chat with Dr. Sally has created some more awareness for you all. And, um, I was looking on your website. It looked like you had a uh, other services that you provide, you know, educational wise and everything. Can you touch on that for a little moment? Yeah, of course. And I just want to say for the record that I love the sleazy and the cheap. <laughs> so, <laughs> I guess if that's only your definition that you associated with, you can broaden that <laughs> now. 
Yeah. So I'm an educator. Um, I, I'm teaching right now uh, burlesque at New York University. Um, I also uh, teach at other um, universities um, and I write and publish on Medium. I have a couple other links to some other articles I've published this year. So you can find that. Um, I also have a show for all of you guys who are in New York, um, August 5th, and that's out at Coney Island, USA. And I have a chapter in the book about um, the Miss Coney Island pageant and this whole idea of, of pageantry being like a parody, like a poking fun. Hi. And so, um, so yeah, August 5th, Neo. So yeah, there's lots of stuff going on. Um, so please keep in touch with me. And um, yeah, thank you. It's been such a pleasure talking to you. Thank you so much. It's been really fun. Um, I've learned several things. I hope everybody else has. Um, and so visit lynnsally.com if you want more information. If you want to reach out to the podcast, um, you can go to saltysexcast.com. You can be a, become part of our Patreon community where you get early access to our episodes as well as as well as other great content. So you can go and do that at patreon.com forward slash salty sex cast. Again, Dr. Sally, thank you so much for joining me and I'll see you all next week. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to the salty sex cast. Ready for round two? Find us on Facebook.